All right, good morning, good to see everybody. Um, when I was walking in this morning, this was one of the thoughts that I had. Um, whoever invented the umbrella, like that was brilliant. Like, I don't know who did that, but that was really cool. I wish I would have come up with that idea. I know I'm gonna I'd call out somebody here for just a minute. I, there are some people who go to our church that are too cool. I'm, I was gonna use your name, I'm not gonna do it now. I had a conversation with somebody a while ago. I'm not gonna throw you completely under the bus. But there are a few people that come to church here at the well that are too cool for umbrellas. Like, I get that, I get that. It's not the most macho, manly thing, I get that. But I just want you to know, I love umbrellas. I think they're really cool. And I wish I would have invented it. Like, it's really cool. I was just walking in this morning, and it was, and like the rain hits on top, and it sounds real. It's nice. I like umbrellas. Um, so let's get started this morning. Um, if you want to grab a Bible that's underneath your chair, uh, that would be great. Or if you want to pull out your smartphone, um, you can go to Uversion or the Bible app. If you search in the uh, live section, the Well Austin, you'll see the scriptures for today. Um, there's also a couple of other links for you to follow if you desire to do that. Or you could simply just type this incredibly long link into your browser, um, and it will take you there as well. You could do that, and that'll help you follow along. We'll be uh, spending the majority of our time today uh, in John chapter 13, so you could go ahead and turn there if you want to do that. Um, I think intuitively, most of us realize that relationships have a direct bearing on the quality of our life or lack thereof. Like I think we, like intuitively we know that we probably don't necessarily always communicate it that way, but I think that we know like when the relationships in our life are going well, the quality of our life seems to be better. When the relationships in our life are going poorly, the quality of our life seems to suffer. And I think we probably intuitively know that but we don't always act upon it. Like if we know, like so today, if you didn't realize that and you hear, okay, well, relationships directly impact the quality of my life, then that should lead us to believe if that's true, then shouldn't we work extra hard on the relationships? Because if that's true, if relationships impact the quality of our life, then why wouldn't we want to work on the relationships? Therefore, we would have better quality of life. But usually what happens is kind of the opposite. Like our relationships suffer and sometimes they suffer because we just don't invest in them or we don't um, understand how they operate. And then our quality of life goes down and then usually, here's what I do, and I assume you do as well, we just kind of start whining and complaining and my quality of life really stinks. And it kind of, can I have an ADD moment? Is that okay? I guess it's too late because I just did. One of the things that, really, that I really like about the well, like big time, is that on any given Sunday, there's approximately 15% of the people in the room who speak a language other than English. Like, and I know that you don't realize that sometimes because you're just like, you see people and you're like, talk to them and you just assume, oh, hey, they speak English because I'm talking to them. And you don't realize that they speak another language. And one of the things that I really, really loved about today was Adrian gets up here and you assume because she's a white girl, that she's going to read in English. But what you don't know, most of you, if you know her well, you know this, but what you don't know is that she's lived more of her life in Thailand than she has in America. That's cool. So um, now I've got to repeat all the relationship stuff, right? No, you remember, you remember. So that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to look at. So in your relationships that you currently have, I just want you to think about a couple of things. Would you, and I'm not talking about related relationships. I'm not talking about your kids. So for instance, would you brush the teeth 
of somebody that you have a relationship with. Now, I know parents, if you have little kids, you're like, here, let me help you brush your teeth. I'm talking about just people that you have a relationship with. If you're married and you do that for each other, just don't tell me. It's kind of weird. <laughs> That's not so, but, so I'm just talking about your friend. You have a friend. Would you brush their teeth? Yes or no? no. You would? Okay, cool. Um, I didn't anticipate that, but that's good. Um, this is good. Okay, uh, how about this? Would you put on deodorant for your friend? Would you do that? What do you mean? Yeah, like would you raise your arm and put deodorant on for them? Would you do that? You would do that. Is there anybody else that would do that? Really? You would do that for me? No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. They're completely capable of doing it for themselves. They just maybe, okay, let's take it a step further. Maybe one particular day they just forgot to put on deodorant and you said, hey, friend, let me help you. Now, now what I'm saying is I'm not saying you tell them to go do it. I'm saying you do that for them. Like, hey, friend, let me help you. Yeah, I don't, I love you, but I just think that's weird. What about this? What about this? Now, those of you who grew up in church culture, you're going to immediately jump to conclusions here. If you didn't grow up in church culture, you just think that this is a normal question. How many of you would wash the feet of a close friend? And don't get, those of you who grew up in church, don't give me the churchy answer because that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you've been outside walking through cow stuff and your friend comes to your house to eat with you and you're like, hey, let me help you out. How many of you would do, how many of you would do that? How many of you would do that? Liars. Uh, maybe you would, maybe you would, I don't know. I, I wouldn't. You just do your, do your thing, and I, like, I want you to clean your feet before you come to my house. I want you to take a shower. I want you to brush your own teeth. I want you to put your own deodorant on. Like, I want you to do those things. Today, we're going to look at a particular piece of scripture that's somewhat famous, I think. Like, I think a lot of people are familiar with this particular piece of scripture, even if they didn't grow up to go into church I think that this particular piece of scripture gets really confusing and messed up and we miss the whole point 95% of the time. And so it does talk about washing somebody's feet, but as you read it, Jesus is actually making a point about what is it like to live in community? What is it like to have significant relationships? What is it like to love people and serve people? And it actually has very little to do with washing people's feet. But sometimes we in the church world get all weird about stuff and we read something in the Bible and we say, well, if Jesus washed somebody's feet, then that's what I should do. So this morning, we're going to have some guys come forward. So go ahead and take off your shoes. And we're not going to do that because it's weird, right? Like, it's, like some of you are already figuring out how can I get out of here without anybody seeing me. I don't want you touching my feet. I'm just being honest. Don't touch my feet. And so we're not going to do that. But the point is not Jesus washed somebody's feet. Like, that's not the point at all. He's actually, matter of fact, later on, he starts telling them, do you understand what I did for you? And if the whole purpose was for him to just simply wash people's feet, he would have said, yeah, I washed your feet. But that's not the point. But the church world gets all weird about it and says, well, let's bring some towels and some bowls and let's wash some people's feet. And then we think that we're really spiritual when we do it. No, you're just weird. <laughs> no. It doesn't make you more spiritual. And so we're going to talk about what Jesus really means. And so we're going to look at it because I think it's super interesting. So now, 
We've been going through the book of John, and what you need to understand is from, from John chapter 13 through chapter 17, all of that right there, 13 through 17, happens in one night, okay? So it's all like cram-packed, a bunch of stuff happening in one night, and what we discussed uh, last week or the week before, I can't remember, was that they're coming together, Jesus and his disciples, and they're <laughs> laying down at a table, okay, to eat. That's what they're going to do. That's the process. They're celebrating together. Um, it's actually a festival. There's something that they, that they do that they've done on a regular basis. Um, in order to get a, an additional insight into this, the story is told in multiple places in Scripture in the Gospels. And so I want to look at one quick verse in Luke chapter 22, verse 24, that gives us some insight as to, as they're walking into this room, part of the conversation that's going on. So in Luke chapter 22, verse 24, you don't have to go there, just listen to this, or I think it's on the screen. A dispute also arose among them, them being the disciples, Jesus' closest followers, as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. So Jesus and his closest guys, they're going to this room, they're going to celebrate um, the Passover together, they're going to eat this meal, and as they're going into the room, they think that Jesus is going to be some sort of like traditional normal king and they start talking about well who gets this position and who gets this position and who can be this and who can be and they're having this argument about who is better than the other person or who should be the vice president or who should be the chief of whatever and they're having this argument so that that's what Luke tells us and now as we start looking at the actual thing um, you need to know that it was also a custom actually in their culture that you, when you would go into somebody's home, that there would be a servant who would indeed actually wash your feet. Because, I mean, they, Nike hadn't, I know Nike's been around for a long time, but it wasn't there yet. So then nobody had really cool shoes. They just had some pieces of leather tied to their feet. And they've been marching around in the who knows what. So when you go into somebody's room, I mean, in somebody's home, they had a servant. And they would actually wash your feet. Part of the reason that they did that is because when you're, you're about to eat, the way that you would eat would be there's a table maybe 12 inches off the ground and you would be laying down to eat and your feet are going to be like kind of in the vicinity of the dude next to you. Like you, it was just kind of a courteous thing to do. They go into this room and there's actually no servant there. And it doesn't say this. This is just me, okay? This is just Bob this probably, who knows, it probably didn't happen. This is the way that my brain works. But if I'm one of those guys and I walk in, I'm like, where's my little servant boy? My feet are dirty. Well, who's going to wash my feet? I need, to, I need to clean up before I eat. Who's going to do this? That would have been my thought. And then my next thought would have been, his feet are even dirtier than mine. Like, who's going to clean his feet? And so that's just my thought. It doesn't say that. This is just me thinking. So John chapter 13, starting in verse 1, it says this. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to, de to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper and laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that he had wrapped around himself. So they're in there. 
Jesus takes off his blazer, hangs it in the closet, goes and gets this bowl full of water and gets a towel and he starts washing people's feet. The job of a servant. The job of the lowest person in the house. And he starts washing their feet. This is not uncommon to be done, but it's definitely not done by the person who has the highest position in the room. It's done by the person who has the lowest position in the room. And in those particular verses, verses one through five, we know that Jesus has, we know three things that he's thinking or that's going on with him. The first thing that we know is that he realizes that this is going to be his last time with them. So he knows that. And so he's like, if this is going to be my last time with them, every word out of my mouth is going to be something that they desperately need to know. Like if you knew that, if this is going to be your last time with your family, wouldn't you want to tell them the most important things? And so he, he knows that this is his last time. He also knows that one of the guys in the room is going to betray him. One of the guys in the room is going to literally throw him under the bus. Well, they didn't have buses, but you know what I'm saying. He's they, they, like, he knows that this is going to happen. The third thing that he knows is that the father has given him all power and authority. Like, so it tells us in verses one through five that Jesus knows these three things. He knows this is my last chance to teach them something important. He knows one of the guys in here, he's going to betray me. And he knows the father has given him all power and authority. Now, this is Bob speaking again, okay? You know what I would do? If I had all the power and authority in that room and on the planet, in the universe, if I had all the power and I know that this one dude is about to betray me, you know what I'm not doing? I'm not washing his feet. Matter of fact, I'm kicking him out. Like, not only am I not washing your feet, you're not even eating with us. You're gone. That's what I would do. Like, I would power, if I have the power, I'm powering up, right? Like, I'm getting you out. I'm going to be, I'm ticked. But that's not actually what happens at all. Jesus uses his power to serve and I think that that's one of the things that we can learn from Jesus in this particular instance is that when you and I are in those moments where we have some authority, where we have some, some power, where we have some influence, what Jesus teaches us is that what we should do with that is actually serve the people around us, which is not what you and I typically do. When, once we get any amount of authority, any amount of power. We just want to make, people, make sure that people know that we're in charge. We want to make sure that people know that when I say something, you got to do it. That's the way that we operate. And I know that some of you are all sweet and nice, and you're going to say, no, that's not how I am. Yes, you are. You just go about it in a nice way. Like you tell them things to do, but you tell them nicely. You just say it in a pretty way, but you do the same thing. And so that's kind of what's going on here. So I want us to go to verse 12. And it kind of gives us, like he starts asking some questions. It actually starts the, through verse 20. is going to tell us a little bit about the, the betrayal part. And we're actually not going to look at it specifically, but I just want you to know that it's in there. But I want us to spend some other time on some of the other uh, uh, things that we're looking at today. So starting in verse 12, it says, When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, so they're all laying around the table now, he resumes his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done? Interesting question, isn't it? And if he asks me, I'm like, yeah, you washed my feet. 
So why did he ask the question? He asked the question because it's more than washing feet. There's a reason he asked the question, because it's more than washing feet. And then so in verse 13, it says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am so. So he's like, you guys call me teacher, you call me Lord, I have a lot of power, I have a lot of authority, you are correct for calling me these things. If I, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash the feet uh, of one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am, speaking all, I am, I am not speaking to all of you. I know who, I'm, who I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you'll believe that I am. He says, I am. That you will believe that I am he, the one sent from God. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. So basically, here's what happens. Here's the way that we think that it should go. Jesus says, I serve you, I wash your feet, and then in return, you wash my feet. Like that's what we, that's how it should go, or that's how we think that it should go. So we think Jesus says, should say, because this is where our mind works, this is where our culture works, this is where our society works. We think Jesus should say, I washed your feet, therefore you wash my feet. Which, if that was the case, I'd be like, yeah, okay, if there was one person in the universe that I would actually wash their feet, it would be Jesus, right? Like, how cool would that be? I would probably even get a t-shirt made that said, I wash Jesus' feet. Like, it would be really cool if you actually washed Jesus' feet. And so we think that that's the way that it should work. Jesus says, I wash your feet, you wash my feet. I'm like, okay, I can do that. That's okay, I can do that. It's still kind of weird, but I can do that. If Jesus washed my feet... I could indeed wash his feet and be okay with it. Like, okay, I get that. But that is not what Jesus says. He, he says, that's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm washing your feet, and I want you to wash the feet of the guy next to you. No way. Have you seen his feet? Like, that would be what I'm thinking. Do you know he has dirty feet? He has stinky feet. I don't get anything from washing his feet. I don't get any uh, uh, a pride. There's nothing, it's a big deal about washing his feet. They stink. But Jesus says, that's what I'm telling you. I want you to serve other people because I served you. That's what I want you to do. Don't miss it. He says, do you understand? And, and, and I think he said, do you understand? This is because they're pretty clueless most of the time. He said, do you understand what I've done for you? I wash your feet, you wash everyone else's feet. But we don't like that. Because we want people to believe the way that we believe, then we'll serve them. We don't really want to serve the mean boss. We don't really want to serve the cranky neighbor. We don't really want to serve the person who did us wrong. We don't really want to serve the person who has different political beliefs. We don't really want to serve the person who's not like us. 
But that's what Jesus is actually calling us to do. It has nothing to do with actually serving Jesus specifically, but what happens is by serving those people, you indeed actually are serving Jesus. But we don't want it that way. We just want to like return the favor. Jesus washes my feet, I wash his feet. I feel good and special. But this is not what he says. He says, this is not the way that it works. It shouldn't be this way. And then we're going to skip ahead, and, and we're actually going to look more in detail about this next week. But in verse 34, I, I just want to read you two quick verses. We're not going to talk about it a lot, but I think that it's really important. It says in verse 34, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So, pop quiz. It says, I have given you a new commandment to love one another. What's the new commandment? This is a trick question, by the way, so it's okay to feel like, ooh, he's trying to trick me. I am trying to trick you. It's a trick question because we get it wrong. What's the new command? We think that we typically say, oh, yeah, to love people. That's the new command. Jesus told us to love people. No. This is not the new command. Jesus says, I'm commanding you not to love people. I'm commanding you to love people the way that I love people. That's the new command. Because we think that we have this like uh, corner on the love market. And we think that we know how to do that. But what this is telling us is love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. Love is not a feeling. Love is an action. Yes, you get warm and fuzzy from those things, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. I'm calling you to love those people even when they have stinky feet. I, know I, I don't know why it impacted me more this time than before. I mean, it's kind of cool that Jesus watched, washed everybody's feet, but it's actually a little overwhelming to me that he washes Judas's feet. Like, it hit me hard because I don't mind loving and serving the people that love me back. I don't mind serving the people that I like. But Jesus loves and serves the very guy who's going to betray him. There's actually, we'll get to it again in a minute, but there's actually this saying. What is it? Scratch my back, something, what does it say? If you, how does it actually go? I don't know how it goes. Something about scratching backs. What does it say? If, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. That's how we live when, and serve and love. I'll love you if you love me. Except I want you to love me first, and then I'll love you. I'll serve you if you serve me, except I want you to serve me first. But this is not at all what Jesus is talking about. What about this? We talk about this a lot. And this is going to make some of you incredibly uncomfortable, which is kind of funny. Um, have you ever heard of the golden rule? Like we use that terminology sometimes. Like have you heard this, this term, golden rule? The church sometimes people, churchy people use it a lot. Uh, what, is it, what does it mean when they say the golden rule? Somebody be brave and tell me what that is. The golden rule. What, say it again? Treat others the way that you want to be treated. Now I feel really bad because the nicest person in the room just gave us the answer. <laughs> and I'm about to blow it up. <laughs> and I feel really horrible about it. 
Now I feel even worse. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it, okay? There's nothing wrong with the golden rule. But it is, the Christian church does not have a corner market on the golden rule. You want me to show you something that's about to blow your mind? Like, we think that we're all cool and special in the Christian church because we have the golden rule. We are not very smart. I'm about to list you from eight different religions around the world the golden rule, just with slightly different language. Okay, are you ready? Some of them, just so you'll know, Buddhism, Islam, Confucius even said the very same thing. Look, this is what, I was going to put them on the screen, but I forgot. But look what it says. Hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. Thank you, Yoda. No, that's just what it sounds like. (laughs) That was actually Buddha. Um, Do not do to others what you do not want them to do to you. This is the sum of duty. Do not do to others that would cause pain if done to you. Don't do things you wouldn't want have done to you. None of you truly believes until he wishes for his brother what he wishes for himself. A man should wander about treating all creatures as he himself would be treated. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The nature alone is good, which refrains from doing unto another whatsoever is not good for itself. And the Christian church thinks that it has a corner market on the golden rule, but I want to tell you today that the golden rule is actually, it's okay, it's a starting place, and I think it's good, and I think you should do that. But Jesus came to actually turn everything about the golden rule upside down. And we like to say that, oh, the golden rule is really great. It's not actually what Jesus says is even better than the golden rule. And I'm making this up, and this is not in Scripture, but I think the platinum rule is actually a little bit better than the golden rule. Okay? The platinum rule is a little bit better. Because here's what happens. We do that whole thing like... And it becomes this weird circle thing. So I'll serve you. So I'll serve you if you serve me. I'll love you if you love me. But then it kind of becomes like, but it's your turn. Like, no, it's your turn. No, really, dude, it's your turn. I already served you. It's your turn now. No, it's your turn. No, it's your turn. I'm pretty sure I loved you last time. It's your turn to love me. And it becomes this weird thing. And what we think is I serve you, you serve me becomes I serve me and you serve you. That's what it becomes. When we simply only live by the golden rule, it becomes you just serve you and I'll serve me. That's what it becomes. And Jesus says, that's not what I'm calling you to do. I'm saying, I serve you. And because I serve you, you serve others. Because I love you, and you see the way that I love you, even when you betray me, even when you sin against me, even when you leave things undone and try to do it on your own, I still love you. And with that kind of love is how you love your neighbor. 
Do you see the difference? Like the golden rule is a great place to start. And I think you should teach children that. So you're safe. But we actually should go one step further. And I think that that's why this particular thing is so important to Jesus. Remember, he knows that he's about to leave them. He's got one more shot to teach them something. And he teaches them, I'm serving you. I'm loving you. And you do that for everyone else. It's a big deal. Now, I want to change gears a little bit. Because some of you are really frustrated. Because you think, well, you skipped like several verses. Verse 6. Like you didn't even read that. Some of you are really frustrated. Okay, well, let's go back to verse 6. Peter, this is the guy who has no filter, which is really helpful from our perspective. Because he says the things that everybody else is thinking. And it helps us know what's going on. Like some people are just not going to say it. But he just says it. Right? So it's really helpful that Peter has no filter because we get to see into this. So in verse 6, so Jesus is going around the room. He's going to wash people's feet. And so he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Like he's like, ain't going to happen. Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now. But afterward you will understand Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Like, I, I think we read it like, you should never wash feet. He's like, no, you're never, like he's upset. You're never going to even touch my feet. You have power. You have authority. You are Jesus. You're not touching my feet. And then look what happens. This is awesome. I love this. Look what happens. Super fascinating. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. He says, if I don't wash you, you're doomed. And then, and then you got to love what Peter's response is. Peter's response is, oh, really? Is that how it is? Then wash my whole body. That's what he says. He's like, wash all of me. If that's the rule, I didn't know we were playing by those rules. If that's the rules, okay, Jesus, have at it. That's what he says. I mean, sort of. I mean, I made some additional words there. But this is what he says. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus, if that's the case, if that's what you're saying, if you don't wash me, I can't have any part of you. I can't be with you. I can't do what you've called us to do. If that's what you're saying, have at it, Jesus, wash me. That's what he said. And then look what it says. This is actually quite interesting and a little bit perplexing, honestly. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. Have you ever been driving? This hasn't happened to me recently, but it has before, and I don't know if, it, if this will be familiar with you at all. You're driving your car around the city, and you get to a busy intersection. You're at a stoplight, and this dude with one of those squeegee things, you know, like that you can get at the gas station, you know, so it's got the little bug thing on one side, and it's got the rubber thing on the other side. This dude with one of these little squeegee things and a spray bottle comes running up to your car. 
And he sprays your, like he ain't asking you. Like he just starts spraying your car and wiping it off. I don't know what your thoughts are, but these are my thoughts. A couple things. Dude, don't touch my car. Like that's just one of my thoughts. Don't touch my car. And then my other thought is, you know what? If I wanted to clean my window, I could clean it myself. Like I know how to clean a window. Like it's not that hard. I can, don't touch my window. I can take care of it myself. And what I'm asking of you today is don't treat Jesus the way that you treat the dude on the side of the street who's trying to clean your window because you cannot clean up yourself. Do you see what I'm saying? Because we think that we can do it. Jesus, I got this. I got this one. I know I messed up. I know I sinned, but I can take care of it. And Jesus, in that, as he's talking to Peter, there's two things that he says. Even the person, he's, even the person who's already completely clean, still needs to have their feet washed. You know why? Because our soul continues to get stained by sin. It's just like we, I don't know if everybody has this, like everybody, I think everybody has, maybe I'm telling a story about me and it's not you. I think we all have these drawers that we put stuff, like just random stuff in, right? Like the junk drawers. Everybody have, you know what I'm talking about? A junk drawer. Or maybe you have a junk closet. Or maybe you have a junk garage. Like we all have this place where we put stuff and we try to keep it in order, right? But it's always moving from order to disorder. So we, we kind of arrange it and we put it in there a certain way. And then it's like the next day it kind of gets messy. And the next day it's even more messy. And, the, and it moves from order to disorder. And in your life and in my life, the same thing happens. We move from clean to unclean. And so even though, so you've said yes to Jesus and you are completely clean, there are times in your life when you and I stain our soul and, and in those moments what we try to do is we say, Jesus, I got this. I can clean it off. I can do this. I just got to work a little harder. I got to do a little extra. I got to give a little extra. And Jesus is telling Peter, you can't do that. You don't have this. If you're not washed by me, you have no part of me. And so you, if you came today and you're not a follower of Jesus, the thing that you have to understand is he can completely clean you. You just say, oh, have at it, Jesus. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. He can completely clean you. If you're a follower of Jesus, what tends to happen is we get completely clean and then we work from clean to unclean because of the things that we do, the thoughts that we have, the things that we don't do that we should do, and our soul gets stained in spots here and there, but we think we can take care of it ourselves. I work a little harder, I do a little more, or I just treat somebody the way that I would want to be treated. But the reality is this is not what the story is about at all. The story is the only way that you can actually serve and love the people around you is to actually be able to be served and loved by Jesus and then you take that and give that to the people around you because if you're left to your own devices, you will not do it. So the question I have for you this morning is, are you completely clean? Like have you ever been completely clean and then here's the other reality I know is that even if you have been completely clean, some of you thought something this morning and stained your soul. Some of you did something this morning just like me and stained my soul. And that's why Jesus says, I need to wash you a little bit 
all the time. That's where we're at today. Let's pray. God, what an incredible story that you give us. Through the eyes of Jesus and through the eyes of Peter. (laughs) What an incredible story. And God, my fear is that we turn it into something that you never intended about weird things about washing people's feet and you just took a simple thing that was in everyday culture and society and you use it to illustrate something far greater and more beautiful. And I pray that that would overwhelm us this morning. And I pray that we can see that because of the way that you love us, because of the way that you serve us. That's what gives us the fuel to love and serve others. Because if we try on our own, that fuel runs out. But Jesus, your fuel never runs out because you're perfect in your love, you're perfect in your service, and you do those things for us. And yet at times we become incredibly selfish Convict us, Jesus. You served the very guy that was going to betray you. And we get upset and don't serve the person who looked at us funny. As we continue to pray this morning, maybe you came in today and you've never said yes to Jesus and you realize that by an incredible story about washing feet that the only way that you can ever actually clean your entire soul is that as Jesus washes you. And all you have to do is just ask for forgiveness. Say yes to him. Jesus, I wanna follow you. Forgive me, I believe in you. I believe in your death. I believe in your resurrection. My soul is stained and dirty. Make it clean. For those of you that have already said yes to Jesus, maybe there are times when you just say, you're not washing my feet today, Jesus, I've got this. Would you just surrender to him again? Let him wash off that little stain, that piece of dirt Jesus, my prayer is that you would show us how much you love us and you serve us and that you would use that to teach us how to love and serve those around us, everyone, not just the people that we like. We thank you for your sacrifice that truly shows us love. In your holy name we pray, amen.